again a welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to our church. Welcome back to our morning worship service. Welcome to a brand new series entitled Infinitely More. I'm thankful for our Assemblies of God leadership team. This is a resource that they've encouraged churches to look at from the Easter session up until Pentecost Sunday. The encouragement, we're going to be joining in with a handful of other churches around the nation, exploring this topic of infinitely more. We're going to be following the exploration of Jesus Christ, his teachings, his miracles, his declarations. And the title of today's message is Just the Beginning. That's, that's fitting because it is the beginning of our study. It's the beginning of our series. Uh, but the, the thought behind today is this. What God has done in your heart, what God has done in my heart and in my life, as powerful and as mighty as it is, it's just the beginning. God has more in store for you. Infinitely more in store. And so we're going to be kind of walking through this, discovering God's plan is to live a spirit-empowered life. Spirit-filled, spirit-empowered. And so we're going to be walking through this journey as we lead up towards Pentecost Sunday and beyond, knowing that God has more in store for you, more in store for me. So the theme verse, what we're going to be kind of referencing throughout the series, throughout the study, kind of where this, uh, this title comes from is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now it says, now all glory to God. Stop right there. All glory goes to God. When it comes to glory, when it comes to honor, when it comes to who and what is recognized, it's not about us, right? It is about Him. Paul writes and says, All glory to God who is able. Aren't you thankful God is not just willing, but able? When you've been, uh, maybe you've had some opportunities in your life or opportunities to help a friend or a family member, sometimes there's a willingness and sometimes there's an ability and sometimes you have both, uh, but not often. Sometimes you're willing, uh, but not so able. Sometimes you're able, but you're not very willing to help, right? Uh, it's okay to nod and smile. We, we won't know exactly, you know, what you're thinking about, Right? But when it comes to God, he is both willing and able. It says he is able through his mighty power. God has mighty power to intervene into your heart, into your life, into your situation, to what it is that you face. All of the glory is to God. He's able through his mighty power. But check out the next phrase. It is at work within us. How incredible is that? That the might and the strength and the power of God is available within you and within me. Everybody right now, go ahead and just kind of give one of your poses, right? Your, your muscle, muscular kind of bodybuilding pose. Let's see, let's see some of those biceps. We, we got some poses going, right? You know, when it comes to our strength and our power, maybe you even chuckled kind of putting your arm up like that because you're like, there's nothing here. I'm with you right? There's nothing there. I'm thankful that it's God, his strength, his might, his power, but it's his power at work within me and within you. His power is available to you and I. And what is his power going to do? It says to accomplish infinitely 
more. That's where that title and that phrase comes from. The ESV translates it as far more abundantly. The NIV says immeasurably more. The King James, which many of you might be familiar with, says exceedingly abundantly above. In other words, a whole bunch more than what? Infinitely more than we might ask or think. Some versions or phrases might say or imagine. So this is that theme verse. God has more, much more in store for you, much more in store for me, infinitely more than what we might think or ask or even imagine. You see, from the very beginning of Scripture, from the very beginning of creation, God's nature was clear. He starts with the end in mind. God starts with a plan, and God has the answer. And as God starts and as God has his plan, he sees more, much more, infinitely more than we might ask or think. Genesis chapter 1, it says, "...in the beginning." In the beginning, God had a plan. It was a well-thought-out plan. It was a plan of creation. It was a plan of redemption. And it was a plan of spirit empowerment for all who would trust and believe in him. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are thinking, planning people? Let me see those hands. Got a handful, all right? So you are a make a list, check it twice. I'm going to think and plan. I'm ready for what comes my way. Now, how many of you are fly by the seat of your pants kind of people? You wake up today and you just do whatever feels right. There's a mixture of both that I see in here. Typically, to some degree, our lives revolve around some kind of planning or preparation. Now, for many of you, your plans and preparation, it's up here. It's not written down. You don't have a list. You don't have a checklist on your phone. You you just, you think of it, and hopefully I'll remember and I do it. But there's probably a plan. There's probably a preparation, whether it comes to planning for schooling and or a job and or a life or marriage or kids or, or planning for their schedule and your schedule. There's church things and family things and work things, and, and you've got a plan. How do we get this all done? What, what kinds of things? things do we do in our home or in our apartment or what kinds of things do we do for transportation or for schooling you've got all of these plans all of these processes to think about maybe you've got a budget to get ready you've got food to think about and with life and culture working at a pretty fast pace we try to leave no room for error But sometimes, don't you know, things happen, mistakes happen, and sometimes our plans, the best laid plans, get messed up. In the last year plus, we've all had to adapt. The plans we thought would take place, now we've had to shift as a result of COVID. Take COVID out of that. I bet you've had to shift your plans or your focus or your preparation based on other things, right? Maybe you had certain things in mind and then a relationship happened, a marriage happened, a little one happened, a job promotion, a job opportunity, this or this or this. And so when something happens, many times your plans, our plans, uh, one unplanned moment just kind of turns everything 
upside down. Well, God's had that plan from the beginning. He's had a plan for you and a plan for me. Now we open up the word of God in Genesis and we see that things were going along pretty well at the beginning or at least in that first couple chapters or so, right? God was creating the world. God was creating Adam. God created Eve. He created all these animals. They were, I mean, just imagine if you were Adam and Eve, right? You're in the garden. You're, you're eating all these fruits and vegetables. You're, um, I'm not sure exactly what the process was, but imagine all these animals coming through and, and you know, naming of the animals. I mean, it, it was quite a, quite a process. But something happened, right? Something changed. I mean, he was walking and talking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. How many of you would love that today? Just to walk and talk with God in the cool of the garden, not the icy cold garden, not the sweltering hot garden, but God's hand with the cool of the garden. I mean, didn't it seem like everything was so planned perfectly? And then it seemed like something took place that kind of wrecked and ruined that. It was a little thing that was a pretty big thing called sin, right? The serpent deceived Adam and, and Eve, and they gave in. They sinned against God. They ate what they shouldn't have eaten that God said not to do. And this perfect plan, this perfect setup seemed to be no more. Aren't you thankful for God's plan that nothing takes God by surprise? In the midst of that, his creation, his perfect plan, God had a plan to deal with and to overcome the sin. In fact, he let Adam and Eve in on this plan. He let the enemy, the serpent, in on this plan. We find it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He says, I will put enmity. We'll stop there. We don't use that word enmity a lot. You could describe it as hostility or war or conflict. He says, I'm going to put some hostility. There's going to be some conflict here between you and the woman. He's speaking to the serpent. He's speaking to Satan. So he says, there's going to be a conflict. There's going to be hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. As a result of sin, as a result of the fall, there is enmity, conflict. There is, there is struggle and strife between these two features. Now, check out these last phrases because sometimes we read them. If, if you've read the Bible and you've read through Genesis, which is a pretty power-packed book, you might read this last part of the verse and kind of gloss over it, not sure of what the he and you mean. But the Lord speaks, God speaks to the serpent and says, he will crush your head. Who's the he? God is pointing to, prophesying about, forecasting Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. He's saying, Jesus will crush your head, serpent. Jesus will defeat you, enemy. But he does say, you, Satan or serpent, will strike his heel, the heel of Jesus. 
Now, if you're not careful and you're not kind of thinking through some things, you're only three chapters in. Uh, We haven't gotten to Noah and Abraham and Joseph and all these incredible biblical characters of Genesis, all the ones we find on the flannel graphs. If we're not careful, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we kind of gloss over that last part of the verse. Sin took place. Adam and Eve were disciplined as a result. But God was saying, listen, I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. And here's what's going to happen. The Savior, the Messiah, my son, Jesus Christ, he's going to crush your head, Satan. He is going to defeat you once and for all. But you'll strike at his heel. And this leads us to the first thought for today, which is this. God's plan leads us to the cross. God's plan leads us to the cross. From the very beginning, man and woman, Adam and Eve, they had sinned. But what was God's response? God's response wasn't to look around, throw his hands up in the air and say, oh, no. What do we do now? God had a plan and a purpose. He's speaking to the enemy and he says, guess what? Yes, you, you snuck in and you tempted them and Adam and Eve sinned. But guess what's coming? The cross is coming. My son, Jesus Christ is coming and he is going to crush you. Crush your head. Ultimately, that's what the cross did. Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave. Yes, was his heel bruised or struck? Yes, he was crucified. I'm sure at some point Satan thought he had won. He died. He was buried, placed in the tomb. Yes, his heel was struck, bruised. It was not the end, right? Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We've celebrated that on Easter. And he said, he will crush your head. Satan is defeated. His power is defeated. Sin, death, hell, and the grave. God's plan leads us to the cross. This was not some throw his hands up in the air and say, well, now what do we do? There is a plan and a purpose, a rescue that was prepared for you, a rescue that was prepared for me. In fact, as you're reading through the word of God, In the Old Testament, everything here in this Old Testament, in God's Word, it is pointing us to and leading us to Jesus Christ, the Savior at the cross. Genesis chapter 7, you read about Noah and the ark. I mean, you can even sing some kids sing-songy songs about Noah and the arky-arky, right? Any of you want to do a solo? No takers. God told Noah to build him an arky arky. Something like that. That's about all I know. Some of you are looking at me like you don't know that song. How did you make it through kids' church without singing that song, some of you? I don't know. Trust me, it's there. I don't know if it was just in in our church or not, but Noah's ark. We know about Noah. We know about the ark. We know that Noah was obedient. He built the ark, and his family went in. The animals went in. And we look at that, and we say, wow, God protected and God spared Noah and his family, and and God was doing a great thing. And yet, even in the midst of that, it's foreshadowing, it's pointing us to, it's leading us to the cross that 
as that ark was safety and protection and rescue for Noah and his family, the cross of Jesus Christ is safety and rescue and protection for you and I when it comes to sin. Noah's ark is pointing us to the cross. A little bit later in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham sacrifices his son Isaac. Remember reading through that powerful story? And God instructing Abraham to take his son Isaac and sacrifice him, basically place him on, on top of you know, this, this altar as a sacrifice to the Lord. And Abraham willingly obeys. And he gets to that point, and God speaks and says, here's the ram in the thicket. I'm providing the sacrifice. But what do we see? Abraham was obedient. Abraham was willing to give of his son in the sacrifice. And it's pointing us to the New Testament. It's pointing us to Jesus. It's leading us to the cross of a heavenly father who loves you, a heavenly father who loves me so much, he is willing to give of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross for you and for me. Or you think about in Exodus, the Passover, Exodus chapter 12. God's people, the Israelites, were in Egypt. Remember the plagues that were sent and then this, this final one of the death of the firstborn. And he said, listen, you were to place blood or paint blood over your doorway, your door frame. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. That was the Passover. The blood, the point of that is not about taking some red paint and painting things red. The point of it was the blood was necessary for freedom and safety. Again, it's pointing to Jesus, pointing to the cross. It's because of the shed blood of Jesus that you and I are able to be cleansed and forgiven, protecting us from spiritual death. And you go on and on and on. Uh, recently, we went through the book of Ruth, right? We looked at Ruth and Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And it pointed us to Jesus Christ as the ultimate redeemer, willing and able to pay the price to redeem, to buy us back and purchase that, that price in our place for sin. Think about Jonah. I mean, on and on through the Old Testament, God spoke to Jonah to go to what? Nineveh, sinful, godless, and to proclaim God's word, God's truth, the hope found in him. It's pointing us to the love of a father who loves people and wants that none should perish. So the Old Testament here is pointing us to, leading us to, God is leading us to the cross. Ultimately, it's at the cross where Jesus is fulfilling that plan and that purpose of God. So we get to the New, the New Testament, and we look at John the Baptist had a, a rather unique honor of introducing Jesus. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right off the bat, as John is introducing Jesus, he calls him, he titles him, he nicknames him the Lamb of God. 
It's representing that sacrifice of what Jesus was coming to do. Verse 30, he said, he's the one I was talking about when I said, a man's coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I didn't recognize him as the Messiah, but I've been uh, baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove uh, from heaven, resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. I testify he is the chosen one of God. Verse 34. You see, God's plan is leading us to the cross. It's at the cross where Jesus died in your place and in my place. He died for our sins to restore that relationship with God and to make it right. Here's what Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, tells us. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Doesn't that boggle your mind sometimes? Maybe it's a verse you've heard. Maybe it's a verse you've even quoted or memorized. But to think that God loved you so much, he sent Jesus to die in your place and in my place. While we were still sinners, while we were still against and far from God. Uh, let me put it to you this way. Think of the most irritating, uh, you know, the, the person you have the most conflict with. Hopefully it's not a family member. Sometimes uh, there's somebody at school. Sometimes there's someone in the workplace or there's a, a neighbor or somebody in the community. But someone that you just you, you kind of butt heads with, uh, you just don't mesh with. I mean, anytime you're around, it is just, it's, it's grating, it's tough, it's difficult. You just don't get along. Now, imagine giving up your prized possession, whatever that might be for you. Uh, maybe it's a, a piece of technology. Maybe it's your prized pet. Maybe it's a, a vehicle. But imagine giving your most prized possession. I don't scratch that. Imagine giving up your very child or grandchild for this person who irritates you, who can't stand you, who is completely against you and everything you stand for. If you say, Red, they say green. If you say up, they say down. They are so in opposition to you. Imagine giving them, surrendering to them your most prized possession. Now, online, watching or listening, you can't see what I see, but here's what I see. I see some looks like, you've got to be kidding me, pastor. No, absolutely no way, right? I mean, no way. That's exactly what God did for you and for me while we were still sinners. While we were still against God, living against God, completely living our own way, God gave his son Jesus for you. God gave his son Jesus for me. And verse 9 says, since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved 
through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. God gave his son while you and I were sinners. He didn't wait for us to kind of make things right. He didn't wait for us to, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness and kind of do a complete turn or a change. And then he says, oh, they look pretty good. Now let me sacrifice. Now, while we were still sinners, while you and I were still against God, he gave his only son. See, Everything about God and his plan was leading us to the cross. It's at the cross where Jesus died. It's at the cross then. He, he was crucified, died, buried, and rose again. God was leading us to the cross. But understand, that was the beginning. As powerful, as incredible as salvation and the, uh, the gift of salvation through his son Jesus Christ was, that was really the beginning because guess what? God has more in store for you and more in store for me. God's plan doesn't just lead us to the cross. God's plan leads us through the cross. Through the cross. As if the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, he says, I've got more, so much more in store. You know, that, that leads me to think about, in a crazy way, infomercials. How many of you, let's be honest, you can, you can be honest, you can confess, uh, the camera's not focused on, on you here, but how many of you honestly can say you have watched at least some of an infomercial on television? Hands up. Hands up. All right. Bunch of hands. I, I think about some, and, and I'm sure that there are still some of those half-hour infomercials that are on. Uh, right now, there, there seems to be a lot of the, maybe the extended commercial, maybe a, a minute long or a, a two-minute long, uh, where they, they really compact it. But they would have half-hour television shows that were just infomercials. And, and I remember some of these. Uh, the, these are, you know, kind of back in the day. But maybe you've seen some of those. Uh, they, they stick out in my head. How many of you ever remember seeing the Ronco GLH number no. 9 spray-on hair can? It looks like a can of spray paint. Ron Popeil, the inventor and presenter, uh, you know, you kind of shake it. And if you had a bald head or a kind of a thinning head, you'd spray this on. Kind of looks like spray paint, but apparently there is some texture to it. And miraculously, you've got hair. Uh, at least apparently until you shower. <laughs> right? And so, you know, the, the spray on hair or the Ronco food dehydrator, uh, maybe you've seen or heard of Ginsu knives. This special knife set, they would have it cutting wood and cutting metal and, and slicing through aluminum cans. And after they do that, they would, they would let it slice through a, a piece of paper and then slice through a soft, delicate tomato. Oh, showing you that these are the knives for you. Uh, these infomercials, whether it's OxyClean or ShamWow or the Snuggie, they present a problem. They present a solution, and they say, here's why you need this. But they all, almost all have this one phrase in common, and I bet you could repeat it. But wait, there's more. There's more. 
They're presenting why this item is so worth your while. It's, it's so worth your time. It's so worth your investment. It's $19.99, $29.99, $39.99, $99.99, whatever. It's usually got a 99 or a 95 in it, right? And so they're showing and convincing you why you need this item. And so you're about on the fence, and you're thinking, well, maybe I can purchase it. Maybe it would be good. And then they pause. They look right in the camera, and they say, but wait, there's more. If you order now, we'll also throw in this extra, uh, extra set or extra set of uh, accessories. Ooh, that's an even better deal. But wait, there's more. If you order now, we'll double your order. We'll give you two sets of Ginsu knives. We'll give you two of the ShamWows. We'll give you two of the Snuggies. We'll give you two, right? So you thought it was a good deal before, and they give you extra accessories. They, they double your order. Uh, maybe they even throw another, hey, free shipping, free handling. But wait, there's more. Now hear me. In no way am I reducing what Jesus Christ did on the cross to an infomercial. But what I do want to communicate is this. As powerful and as tremendous as what Christ did on the cross is for you, God does have more in store beyond salvation to continue in your life in and for him. The cross is the salvation. It's that part and that process for you and I to cleanse and to save and to forgive. And yet God still has more in store. Remember what we were reading just a few moments ago in John chapter 1, when John said, The one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, listen, it's not just that he's coming and he's going to die in our place. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but he's also going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. There's more. Salvation is powerful. Salvation is incredible. But after salvation, he's saying, listen, there's still more in store for you. His plan to send and prepare the Holy Spirit for you is in place. Well before Jesus died and was upon the cross, this journey to the cross was also a journey through the cross. Providing salvation, providing forgiveness, providing a fresh start. But there's still more for you and more for me. I love that phrase, that, that scripture. It's more, infinitely more than you can ask or think or imagine. Maybe you think back to your life. I, I think back to mine. Thankful that I was able to grow up in a godly home, a, a, a father and a mother who loved God. And not just loved God, but they, they were serving God. They were in ministry. My dad is a pastor and and yet, myself, I remember as a six-year-old, scratch that, six and a half. How many of you know when you're young, the, the half is pretty important? It was February 1st, 1981, 2181, when I gave my life to Jesus, a six-and-a-half-year-old boy. Sometimes in, in Christian homes, uh, it happens in the home, but uh, from my memory, it was at the church, First Assembly of God, Springfield, Illinois, where my dad was pastoring. Somewhere up front at the altar, I came, and mom and dad prayed with me for salvation. Now, as a six-and-a-half-year-old, 
I mean, what was going through my mind? At that time, I simply did know I had done, uh, done wrong. I'd sinned, and God was cleansing and forgiving me, giving a brand new start. But at six and a half, did I have the mind to comprehend all that God was wanting to do in and through me, how much more God was desiring to do? At that point, I didn't understand. Because later on, certainly in my years as a boy, I was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. God had more in store. And as I continued to grow, God was calling, God was nudging upon my heart to call me to ministry. Not just to, to, to grow to love and serve him, but to do so in an area of ministry. And then God was leading and guiding and directing me to Central Bible College where I would be trained and equipped to do that ministry. And beyond that, God was leading and guiding and directing me to Galleon, Ohio, at the time, First Assembly of God, soon to be Crossway Assembly of God. God was saving, calling, equipping, and now guiding me into ministry. But God had even more in store, more than I could ask or think or imagine. God had this special someone. He was gearing and preparing just for me and introduced me to her July 3rd. 1999, you know the story, Big Prairie Family Camp. A certain Kimberly Ann Gardner, right? And God brought us together, soon to be husband and wife, June 3rd of 2000. And, and God was now leading us together in ministry for him. And little did we know, God had even more in store. God had two incredible little bundles of joy in the next number of years in the form of autumn and Brooklyn. And so in the, in the midst of all of that, God has had so much more in store. And I believe God, God has got so much more in store for you. God desires to cleanse. God desires to save. God desires to forgive. But even beyond salvation, God desires to continue blessing and providing infinitely more than you can think or ask or imagine. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, healing, provision, guidance, direction. God has so much more in store. Listen. I don't believe it's a, con, a coincidence that you're here with us today in person or that it's a coincidence you're watching or listening online. I think God is, is nudging and, and hopefully connecting your heart to his, preparing your heart and maybe even preparing this day and this, this message for you. He desires to introduce you to his son, Jesus Christ. It, it doesn't have to be Easter Sunday. It can be any Sunday. In fact, it can be any day for you to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. And even beyond salvation, God's got so much more in store for you. You see, on a day like today, on a day like any day, I've got bad news and good news. The bad news is that everyone has sinned. God's word says that. The bad news is our sin separates us from God. The bad news is that sin results in death. But the good news is God loves you so much. He loves me so much in spite of our sin. God willingly gave his son Jesus Christ for you and for me. 
And the good news is that Jesus died on the cross in your place and in mine. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity both in person and online to make that decision to turn to God, to surrender your heart and your life to him, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time. It's repentance. We're turning away from the sin. We're turning to God. We're saying, God, will you cleanse and will you forgive me? 